You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM and uh, you are listening to this uh, reflections with uh, your host Zubair Akram and my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad we've been covering surah anbiya in reflections um every day from last around 6 days 5 days i think surah anbiya the first section um talks about the proximity of the day of judgment um the uh, the being evident that we are approaching accountability as humans and yet we are heedless and due to our heedlessness we end up mocking and we end up uh, as humans uh, or a section of society we end up uh, becoming playful and not taking any heed of what's been said and then there is this talk of uh, prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam being accused of being someone who is not bringing anything serious that is um a message that has any significance or and then prophet sallallahu alaihi has been accused of being nothing but a poet and the message is nothing but fiction and then it moves on to tell us the importance of the message in bringing us the message and how important it is for the faithful to know their messenger to know their prophet to know the beloved of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and without knowing him alayhi salatu wasalam we can't possibly reach what has been said and what has been revealed that's a summary of what i've understood as a listener uh listening to the commentary of the first few ayahs um from sheikh rizwan muhammad assalamu alaikum sheikh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh sheikh um, i've tried to just kind of ad lib paraphrase of what i've understood mm-hmm. in past, past few days and today inshallah we're going to move on to the next set of ayahs before we do that uh, i just want to be corrected or kind of complimented in what i've understood as a student <laughs> complimented alhamdulillah okay bismillah rahman rahim the, the the summary of 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 the section of, of the quran is, is 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 straightforward it's not as i said before it's not about the and the thing that you need to go away with as a lesson is that what we're told in the early period of islam the meccan period and the quran that is was revealed at the meccan period and the content of it is very simple straightforward tenets of faith of belief in god belief in prophecy belief in the unseen belief in the ultimate um you would say accountability of each person uh, that is the simple thing wala taziru wazratan wazra ukhra as another you know surah an-najm talks about this very clearly that no soul will carry the burden of another soul and so this is the takeaway message it's not about the fact that this is complicated because that's it you have it and it's very clear what's interesting about the quran is that we know that people you know for various reasons they they go into heedlessness they go into forgetfulness they they take their eye off the ball as they say and they ref- and and they stop taking what they knew was the truth as being the truth so the prophet used to say arin al-haqq haqqan warzuqna at-tiba'a wallah show us the truth is truth and allow us to follow it now how can you be shown the truth is truth it sometimes means that you know the truth but you you take your eye off the truth and something else dazzles you or um it leads you to understand something counter to what you had a conviction of previously and then what was the truth becomes falsehood because of the trappings of where you are and this is what you find in a lot of people especially in politics i've heard this from a lot of people going to politics or any kind of social movement or anything that requires the service of other people they go in with the right intention 
And to be a person who remains with the right intention and, and, and the intent to do good, you have to constantly recheck what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that includes scholars, that includes you know, people that recite the Qur'an, that includes people that give charity, that includes people that um, fight for justice. Because these four people, the, the scholar and the person that recites Qur'an and the, um, the person that gives charity and the person that fights oppression, these are all mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet in Sahih Muslim as being the first people that we throw into hellfire because they all started off well and when, when Allah asked them, why did you recite Qur'an? Why did you teach? Why did you give charity? Why did you fight? They will answer, but their answer will be an untruth. In other words, a lie. Because Allah will say to them, or the angels will say to them, كَذِبْتَ وَلَكِنْ فَعَلْتَ ذَلِكَ لِكَيْ يُقَالْ عَنَّكَ إِنَّكَ جَرِيءٌ For example, you, you, you're lying because you did this so that people would say you're, you're uh, in the case of a person fighting for truth, you did it so that people would say about you brave you know so every person who starts off well can be taken off the path and so the quran is there just simply as a reminder because as i said yesterday there's 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 two aspects to human beings which you know there's this kind of metaphor of the elephant and the rider the elephant is considered to be a metaphor for the soul and the nafs which is this big and clumsy and moves it's very difficult to turn it back and the rider is the one that channels it or, or you know, steers it to a specific direction. The, the rider is the intellect and what you know is the truth. But the nafs and the carnal desires and a person's ego and all these aspects of their lower self end up overpowering usually the, what we call the rider. And so it's a very famous book by Jonathan Haidt, who's a, who's a, psychi a psychologist, who wrote about the fact that this is used, for example, in in advertisements, for example, because people know that you know what's what if they explain something that's good for you through statistics, you won't necessarily accept it, um, because we see, as I said, doctors who know the the, the harms of alcoholism, the the percentage of, of um, you know doctors um, who are alcoholics is far greater than the general population, whereas they should be the people that know it's not good for you. And so even for people like that who know the facts, the, the, the elephant is the one that's, um, you know, steering the direction of their life. And so the Qur'an, especially in, in, in the Meccan period, is just there to constantly make sure you revise and review the fact that you should be in charge of decision making. And you should constantly review and reflect. And so this will come out as we go through this, this chapter. It is constantly just telling you, look, you need to recheck. To, you need to check back into this moral predicament that you're in as a human being of life generally every day as you know you know today i can imagine a dozen you know moral ethical dilemmas i've been through and you know each of them i pass or fail so each day you everybody has depending on how much you interact with people how many things you do and even in a private situation when you're praying you know skipping the time of prayer that you, time that you take to pray or the degree of you know vigilance you take in your fast all these are aspects of you know failing in your moral duty to god or to human beings and so everybody's in a, in a situation a test and so what this chapter will do in all the chapters in meccan the meccan period do is they take different ways and different approaches to re review our appreciation of our responsibility so that we're constantly reviewing and checking things that we already know the truth. So nothing that the Qur'an will mention in this chapter will be like knowledge to people, like something that they're surprised by. You know, nothing will be, it's not something that's going to come that's going to surprise you. But it, but it means something different to everyone. Exactly. Yeah. It, it means different to people. And also it means different in different times. And what phase you're passing through in your life, Qur'an will have probably a different meaning to it. And probably that's true for anything that's been said by anyone wise or uh, the commenting, uh, the commentary that people are listening to. Uh, probably if you've said the same thing five years ago, it would mean different now. I mean, there's, there's a difference. I mean, I mentioned Ezra Pound. I remember this, somebody, when I read this, but Ezra Pound, the famous American poet, he said that, a, a, you know, a, a great book is one that's always news 
or words to that effect. There's, I mean, you could say yes, you could say famous people's words are always fresh, but there's something about the Quran which is it's always news. It's not as if you've read it once you've read it. There's something about it that is for you is always news because it's always uh, relevant to what you've just done in the day. Hmm. Even if hmm. you read it the day before and you understood it, it's still going to be relevant to you today. The same verse in a different way. And, and and it's not just Muslims kind of exaggerating about their own book, like a Jew wouldn't exaggerate about the Talmud or the Torah or you know somebody from Jew, the Hindu tradition or the Christian tradition would say the same thing about their book. I think that with the Quran, because it is unlike other books, it's clearly even other people of other religions will say, yes, it's completely different, which is so, why, why it's so difficult to start to engage with it and read it from beginning to end, because it seems like it's not written to be read beginning to end. And you know why that is, because the impactful verses and chapters and sections are not in the sequence when we start it. It's different. It's completely different. And so the most impactful ones are, you know, in the end, towards, towards the, the latter part of the middle. This is where, where all the soul-wrenching messages are coming out. And the, and the language where, where it's the most eloquent is, you know, eloquent is a relative term in the Qur'an because the, the, the Medinan verses that are simple and plain are also eloquent because they're speaking to simple, plain people whose acts of access to language is simple and plain. The, the Qurayshi Meccan period has very rich, rich language, which is very rich because of people who were rich in their linguistic aptitude. So for each part, you know, for each audience, it was it was eloquent. And so this chapter will essentially start to unravel with these timeless messages, which are constantly relevant to our lives, which today, if I comment upon it, will be different from yesterday. Hmm. And that's it. Hmm. Interesting to say that. It's like, so reading Quran or interacting with Quran or listening to anything, reflecting on anything which is revelation is the meaning of it is set by the day you've had or the activities mm. you've had or the interactions you've had. Yeah, I mean, you're a human being. The Quran, and in fact, I think we'll cover this today, is the Quran says that we've revealed to you a book which has your, your mention in it. In fact, we, we could look at that today, actually. I mean, okay, let, let's listen to the uh, ayahs of today. Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah of Quran, uh, Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Um, the, the Surah that we are covering this month of Ramadan in uh, 2021 is Surah Anbiya, uh, today's ayahs. فَصَدَقْنَاهُمُ الْوَعْدَ فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُمْ وَمَنْ نَشَاءُ وَأَهْلَكْنَا الْمُسْرِفِينَ Then we fulfilled for them the promise, and we saved them and whom we willed, and destroyed the transgressors. لَقَدْ أَنْزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا we have certainly sent down to you a book in which is your mention. And will you not reason? Ayat hain Surah Anbiya, 21st Surah Quran Hakim ki. Kareeb aagya hai logon ke hisab ka wakt ye ayat number ek se hai. اور وہ ہیں کہ غفلت میں مو مڑے ہوئے ہیں ان کے پاس جو تازہ نصیحت بھی ان کے رب کی طرف سے آتی ہے اس کو بتکلف سنتے ہیں اور کھیل میں پڑے رہتے ہیں دل ان کے دوسری ہی فکروں میں منہمک ہیں اور ظالم آپس میں سرگوشیاں کرتے ہیں کہ شخص آخر تم جیسا تم جیسا ایک بشر ہی تو ہے پھر کیا تم آنکھیں آنکھوں دیکھتے جادو کے پھندے میں پھنس جاؤ گے اللہ بشر مسلکم افت اتون سحرا و انتم تبصرون رسول صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے کہا میرا رب ہر اس بات کو جانتا ہے جو آسمان اور زمین میں کی جائے اور سمی اور علیم ہے وہ سننے والا اور جاننے والا ہے وہ کہتے ہیں بلکہ یہ پراگندہ خواب ہیں بلکہ یہ اس کی من گھڑت ہے بلکہ یہ شخص شاعر ہے اور ورنہ یہ لائے کوئی نشانی جس طرح پرانے زمانے کے رسول نشانیوں کے ساتھ بھیجے گئے تھے حالانکہ ان سے پہلے کوئی بستی بھی تھی 
کوئی بستی بھی جسے ہم نے ہلاک کیا ایمان نہ لائی اب کیا یہ ایمان لائیں گے اور اے محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم تم سے پہلے بھی ہم نے انسانوں ہی کو رسول بنا کر بھیجا تھا جن پر ہم وہی کیا کرتے تھے تم لوگ اگر علم نہیں رکھتے تو اہل کتاب سے پوچھ لو ان رسولوں کو ہم نے کوئی ایسا جسم نہیں دیا کہ وہ کھاتے نہ ہوں نہ وہ سدا جینے والے تھے پھر دیکھ لو آخر کار ہم نے ان کے ساتھ اپنے وعدے پورے کیے اور انہیں اور جس جس کو ہم نے چاہا بچا لیا اور حد سے گزر جانے والوں کو ہلاک کر دیا اور آج کی آیات ہیں لوگوں ہم نے تمہاری طرف ایک ایسی کتاب بھیجی ہے لقد انزلنا علیکم کتاباً فیہی ذکرکم لوگوں ہم نے تمہاری طرف ایک ایسی کتاب بھیجی ہے جس میں تمہارا ہی ذکر ہے سبحان اللہ کیا تم سمجھتے نہیں ہو میرا خیال آج یہیں تک جی آیت نمبر نو اور دس آیت نمبر نو اور دس اچھا میں اردو اس لیے پڑھتا ہوں کہ مجھے اس میں تھوڑی سی زیادہ سمجھ آ جاتی ہے اور پھر سوالات جو ہیں وہ آسان ہو جاتے ہیں لوگوں ہم نے تمہاری طرف ایک ایسی کتاب بھیجی ہے جس میں تمہارا ہی ذکر ہے یعنی میرا اور آپ کا جو سننے والے ہیں ان کا اور جو پڑھنے والا ہے اس کا کیا تم سمجھتے نہیں ہو صدق اللہ العظیم اللہ تعالیٰ نے یقیناً سچ فرمایا جی شیخ سو آج کی آیات واقعی بہت انٹرسٹنگ ڈفرینٹ ہے ہاں جی بسم اللہ strength Uh, and sleep and these kind of things but the process was given different aspects of 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 life as we know but the point is they wanted angels and so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply says that this is the this is the way that it is the prophets that are sent are sent as human beings so that they can be relatable to people and also so that you know there is a degree of taklif which is taklif not in you know the kind of thing pain or test there's a degree of um yeah it's a test Taklif in, the, in this context would be test, which means that it's precisely because they're prophets that you can be then judged based upon your own intelligence to decide whether what they're saying is true or not. If it's an angel, you don't really have a choice because you've seen everything and there's no test. And so then why, why did God create the, 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 the heavens and the earth and everything within them if it wasn't for a test? You know, as I mentioned, you know, the Arabs say, the world is... the sowing field of the hereafter. How can you say that you're going to be, you know, if you're born with a billion dollars, then what's the point of working? Because you don't have to strive and struggle. And if you're told that God exists and God is in front of you, then what's the, what's the point of being asked to believe in God or believe in angels or believe in the hereafter, believe in even something that we all know, which is your, you know, justice needed, needing to be done in the hereafter or in, in, in a later part of our existence. So Allah simply then says, and we fulfilled our promise to them, you know, to the prophets that came before them, and we protect them, and, you know, it just means to deliver and to protect and to and to care for whoever we, we will and wish. And we also lead destruction towards those that, you know, transgress, you could translate it, transgress. And then it comes to this verse, which is interesting. And essentially, you know, you were asking about the fact that the Qur'an is constantly relevant. I was talking about the same thing. Allah said, لَقَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا And indeed we have, O Muhammad, given and revealed to you or upon you a book. Kitaban. So just the word itself, kitab, a book. It doesn't say the Qur'an, the book. In, our, in Arabic, it simply is saying kitaban, a book. Now when you don't say which book, The whole purpose in Arabic is it's saying, look, you should know which book. We don't need to say which book. The Qur'an, the Qur'an. As it says, a book. When it says a book, it means this is very special. This is very uh, important. And this is extremely awe-inspiring in terms of its content. And then it has a sifa. In Arabic, it's called a sifa. 
mu'akkada. So basically, it's going to say it's a book, but what kind of book? You know, it could be a numerous, you know, numerous types of books it could be, but it says, fihi dhikrukum, which contains, you know, simply you could translate it as a mention of you. So if you're simply speaking about it, you would say, this, this, this was revealed to the Quraysh, and the Quraysh have been given a book, it's the Quran, and it mentions them. See, you know, for example, Surah Quraysh, li'ilafi Quraysh, there you go. You know, that's the simplest explanation you can come up with because this is a book which mentions you. Good. What's the purpose? You know, what's the purpose of just saying, O Quraysh, this book mentions you. Mm. So, so the Prophet, or they would say Muhammad, wrote a book and he mentioned us in the book. What's the purpose? You know, where's the, where's the speciality and the content there? There's nothing special at all. There's something much deeper going on here, which is this verse is not just referring to Quraysh, it's referring to everybody. And if it's referring to everybody, we can understand why it's mentioning the Quraysh, because they were there and they were being spoken to at the time. But how does it refer to us? You know, Allah says that we've revealed upon you, O Muhammad, a book. What has, you know, what, what about the book? Fihi Has your mention. Mm. Now, what does mention mean here? It doesn't mean it mentions Zubair or myself, Ridwan, or, you know, people of Glasgow or people of any other city. It is, dhikr here is, is fascinating because scholars, you know, do differ upon what this is. It's all about the fact that it has, I would say, admonitions and teaching lessons and it has <coughs> reminders for you that you then need to grapple with as you're going through in your life. And so that's why it's constantly relevant because it's every single time you read the book, fihi dhikrukum, in other words, dhikru ma antum fihi. You know, it's, it's mentioning what you're actually in at this moment in time. Hmm. So you cannot give me, I mean, nobody in the face of this earth can give me a scenario where they will say, well, the, the situation I am in at this moment in time is unrelated to what the Quran talks about. Whether they're Muslim, non-Muslim, Atheist, um, agnostic, Muslim, it doesn't make any difference to be honest. You know, no one can say that that what they're going through and their experience at this moment in time is outside this description, fihi dhikrukum, whoever it is. You know, you could have a person drunk in the street at this moment in time and you tell them about this verse. It is fihi dhikrukum. It does refer to that person who's completely sharhosh completely drunk and um, oblivious of what's happening, it's mentioning something that's relevant to that person. As much as it's mentioning something that's relevant to the person fasting and reciting Quran and fulfilling the rights of everybody upon them, it has every single aspect of that. And so whatever you went through today, essentially Allah is saying that we have revealed upon you, O Muhammad, a book and also to the people of Mecca and also O humankind, a book which you know, would say it allows you to see the things that will lead to honor and happiness in your life. And the reason I'm saying that is because what does it say after that? Do you not then understand? Do you not think? In other words, are you not thinking? So is it fair to say that Quran is revealed for me? I'm the topic of this book. You're the subject of this book. I'm the, I'm the subject of this book. Yes, you're the subject. I am the subject of the book. It is it's because for me. it is for you. It is. For, I mean, you, you cannot say it's just for you. It's not. We don't go to the point. It's an exceptional book for one person. We say it is. It is relevant specifically for you, and you have your but own the, journey with the Quran as it is. But it's only so. What I would say is. What I would say is. It would be like this. If if you were to say no, it's not my not for me. You would have to say, well, there's only some verses that relate to my life. So imagine you wanted to make your own copy of the Quran that's relevant to you, and you Jake, could. There yeah. is only me and God that exists. There's nothing else. Yeah, Where did you get this from? <laughs> is is another case that it's actually only two people in reality. It's you and God. Al-Mukhatib and Mukhatab. Yep. From one perspective, it's there is a message. It's a message. It's basically a message to you. Okay. Yeah. What complicates it is that the one that came with the message was asked to give the message to everybody. 
Okay. Does that yes. make sense? So basically, yes. the angel and the lawh al-mahfuz and the qalam and all these, all the apparatus that is nurani and, and, and enlightened is there to service your need. And this is what Abu Hanifa says, that the, that the Qur'an is, you know, sifatun, azaliyatun. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's a pre-eternal attribute for servicing the needs of mankind, which is you and me and everybody else. So mm. the Qur'an came and it was a message to everybody who heard it specifically to them. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, in the past, your, your memorization was your memorization and your study was your study. You can't, you can't find on the coattails of anybody else before you or after you. And you're on your own in that sense. And so, yes, it's absolutely yours. It's your book. And don't so say it's only you and me. That's something different. You know, just you and God. Me, if, you, if what you mean is the message is directly to me, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after this ayah, after I've read this, I've heard this, لَقَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ كِتَابًا فِيهِ ذِكْرُكُمْ so every ayah I read, I need to read in this context that you know it, it has my zikr in it as as a person. You know, you know, zikr, remember I said I said it's not zikr meaning it doesn't mention you. This is that's a very literal translation of it. I would say, uh, you okay. know, I'd imagine lots of translations actually translate that way. But say this this is a book with which contains your mention. You know, if it continues your mention, then why would Allah say, Afala ta'qilun? Do you not then understand and reflect? Reflection, remember, ta'qilun is to, is to use the intellect to arrive at a conclusion. Ta'qilun. Afala ta'qilun. Meaning it's like. What I, what I understand How would you explain that? How would you explain that? If you read that, you just read in, in Urdu. How would you explain that? No, no, explain what the translation is that we yeah, just yeah. read. So, what I've understood from this translation is it's like my grand, my mother saying to her grandson um, that, do you not know it is actually just for you? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, pay heed. It is full of your it is for you whatever it is, is, for said you. is for you it is for that's you. better yeah that's it it's for you the krukum is not that it mentions you and it mentions or it, or it mentions things that are relevant to you it means that there are things within it that are useful and beneficial for you in terms of your honor and your life and your happiness going forward and then it says afala taqilun do not then think about it. in other words Ta'qilun means it has, has to have an object, meaning thinking about something. Do you not think about what those, hmm. you know, things are, these 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 things of relevance to you? In other words, the Qur'an says, Do they not reflect over the Qur'an or are their hearts locked? This aspect of tadabbur and ta'aqqul, which is to constantly reflect and to think, is the only way the Quran becomes remains relevant to people's lives is that you engage, you struggle with the engagement with the Quranic text. And that means <laughs> the first part of that is to understand what you're going through yourself. You know, you do, uh, you know, like an accountant, they would take account of what they're doing and then say, okay, how does the Quran then relate to where I am? If you're confused about where you are and what you're doing and the whole purpose of your life, then the Qur'an will not be able to <coughs> wrench you out of that unless you're on, honest with yourself. And the honesty comes from ta'aqqul, tadabbur, to think and to reflect, and to be honest. And so... so it, it, interesting, you say, it, interesting you said this, like I, I've heard you say a few times today, uh, for your honor, for your life, and for your happiness. Hmm. How, how, it is for me so that I know what is relevant for my honor, for my life, and for happiness. Are these the three most important things I need to have taqilun tadabbur on? No, I mean, these are just examples of things that make them of utility for you and for, of benefit for you, you know. It must be very ultimately, important. happiness. Yeah, I mean, it came to mind. Honor, happiness, honor. honor, you know. Dhikr, because dhikr, you know, the word itself indicates honor. So honor, what is, you know, honor meaning not honor in this life, just we're talking about honor in this life and the next. When I'm talking about happiness, I'm not talking about 
happiness in this life. I'm talking about this life, life and the next, obviously. So when I'm saying sa'ada, which came to mind, it was happiness. You know, this mm. happiness that will pervade and, and, and stretch beyond the limits of time and space of this world and stretch into another existence of, the, of paradise, inshallah. And honor, which is the angels welcoming, welcoming, welcoming you into paradise, which is ultimate honor. Do you understand? And it's for and, and in the nights, spend your nights in in exerting yourself in night prayer. For indeed it may be that God allows you to raise up to the highest praiseworthy station. That's honor, ultimate honor. And so what I mean is here that you have to then you can't just sit back and expect the Quran just to you know do some kind of jaddu on you where the words themselves are doing everything and you're not changing your behavior. The Quran is specifically saying the book is here. It mentions things that are useful for you for your happiness. Will you not then use your intellect to find out what they are? Which means you have to constantly engage with it. You can't just sit back and say, oh, this Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter of the, of the Prophets. Okay, let's listen to the beautiful recitation of it and you know get the reward of listening to each letter and that's it. Or recite it and we'll get you know a number of rewards for each letter that we recite and that's it. That's the least of it. That's the gate. That's the door through which you walk into, you know, a chapter like Surah Al-Anbiya. But it's reflecting that do we consider the Prophet just to be, uh, you know, flesh and blood? And so when we hear his words, we think, oh, intelligent. But, you know, the world's moved on a bit. And the economy is not the way it was in the past. And, you know, our understanding of science and technology means that we have to revise how religion is, is placed in the modern culture. And, you know, social mores and the way that, Genders deal with each other is different now, so we need to also, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. No, he is a, a, a flesh and blood prophet, but there's an aspect of it which is that he has been given revelation, as we talked about I think, yesterday. Mm -hmm. This aspect, oh, this is the thing that metamorphosizes and changes the flesh and blood human into flesh and blood who's inspired. And so you can't just say it's just normal, you know, wisdom. Reflections with Sheikh Radwan Muhammad uh, and the next few ayahs, uh, it seems, and then commentary. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. It is, uh, we have the next set, sorry, this is uh, ayah number six, but in today's ayah is nine onwards, inshallah. And how many a city which was unjust have we shattered and produced after it another people? And when its inhabitants perceived our punishment, at once they fled from it. Some angels said, do not flee, but return to where you were given luxury and to your homes. Perhaps you will be questioned. They said, O oh, woe to us! Indeed, we were wrongdoers.
and that declaration of theirs did not cease until we made them as a harvest mowed down, extinguished like a fire. Sadaqallahu <clears throat> Lazim. Uh, Sheikh, um, moving on to the next set of ayahs, uh, which is 11 onwards, Wakam Qasasna. وَكَمْ قَصَمْنَا مِنْ قَرْيَةٍ كَانَ ظَالِمَةً وَأَنْشَأْنَا بَعْدَهَا قَوْمٌ آخَرِينَ So this, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the, imagine how many societies of wrongdoers we have destroyed or and how many a city which was unjust have we shattered and produced after it and other people. Yeah, okay, I'll leave it to you to comment on it. Uh, yeah, so the, this yeah, this this section is essentially reminding us of the, the Sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the past used to deal with um peoples and nations and tribes that would um sin against God from the perspective of idol worship specifically, but also other mortal sins, but more specifically in terms of shirk and the prophets would come remember. This is in the context of the prophets who were sent flesh and blood to people and they were rejected and they were were mocked. And as the Prophet was mocked for being, you know, somebody who imagined things or, you know, brought out, you know, confused dreamlike states or was a poet, they were also um like the Prophet Nuh Ali or the Noon or any of the other prophets that came, they were all mocked in some way or some manner specifically. And what Allah's promise to them was that Allah would, would save them for that God would save them and protect them and those who God willed. And he would destroy those that you know were unjust to themselves. And this is the example of that. That Allah is saying not just one, qasamna. And this is come in Arabic is is used um litakleel So it's either used to to say so many, and, and usually they would translate as saying this as being how many a tribe or how many a town or people have we qasamna is like a very very heavy word it's, it's basically to shatter mm. and to decimate it's not to destroy it's to decimate is a good word or smash or to you know create to pulp um how many a tribe or people or specifically here you know a town qarya why? And this is the whole thing. So the whole detail of what will happen is is irrelevant to why. Because most people will say, well, why is God punishing people? Or why is he just destroying and smashing and pulverizing and decimating? You know, the details are, in a sense, irrelevant because I can you can read the kind of general translation is that how many a town have we smashed that have been wrongdoing and we brought forth people other than them after it? Um, so we, you know, when they started to feel our punishment, they ran away from it. And the angels or a voice was said to them, do not run away from it. Return back. Come back. Because what's here is interesting. The reasons, we have to look at the reasons why this is happening. And when they come back, they say, woe to us, you know, you know, what a shame on us, on, upon our state. For indeed, we have been Zalimin, kunna zalimin. They intentionally and openly declare their culpability. And Allah then, then subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they remain there um, making this claim until we made them into, again, this idea of pulverizing and, pulverizing and shattering and smashing like a mown down field, um, like burnt into ashes. So, what you get is complete destruction. The image here is almost like a, a cinematic, you know, presentation of ultimate destruction. If you think of mm. any scene that comes to your mind of the kind of movies that now are possible in terms of the effects that they can create, imagine absolute decimation. Now, the person who watches decimation is going to think, "Is it justified?" Like nowadays, what people, what people think, they would say. This is a bit, bit over the top. Mm. No, you would say, well, why not just why not just take them away? Why don't just give them a a, a a a sweet breeze which takes their souls away and brings people that are um, essentially better people, and they do better. But Sheikh, what comes to my mind is, what's the threshold? How is a threshold determined? On what factors? And was it in the previous times? 
and why not now? So threshold for what? Threshold for punishment? Threshold Just, type uh, of punishment or well, why they punished? No, threshold for qasamna. So for decimation. Yeah. So meaning, so if your question is, if I understand your question, it's not about why they are, you know, what's the threshold of punishing them? Is your question, what's the threshold of punishing, punishing them in a way that is no. considered okay. to be too so, much? Yeah, what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is as individuals, we go through tests, we go through situations in our lives. Sometimes we attribute those situations as punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm -hmm. or admonition or checking points, checkpoints. Oh, hey, kind of watch what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, don't go there. Um, so that's on individual level, right? But mm -hmm. this one is when the entire vicinity or the cities or countries are decimated, they mm -hmm. are no more. And what makes them kind of extinct cities? What is the threshold that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sunnah, as we understand? What are we supposed to understand? At what point it becomes a sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he then destroys? Okay. So it's about, it's about at, what is, at what point is destruction on the cards? Yes. Essentially, isn't it? So yes. again, and well, yeah. What comes to mind, people have been discussing, uh, well, uh, again, you, you've termed it as echo chambers. Uh, COVID, can that be attributed to that kind of situation mm. where every fourth person in this city where I am is at risk of dying? Mm. Every fourth person. Uh, we just, and it's, and it's like growing. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a huge fear that people are living in so is this the same place where i just saw a video of about ten thousand people in a small courtyard yeah. shouting yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely there's no fear because that's for something else this is the same pandemic which is caused by people encroaching into natural environments inhabited by animals where they shouldn't be and they have ended up catching things from animals that they've essentially tortured and brought into civilized areas and then spread it on to other people you know, for me, from my, from my perspective, as just an observing, you know, lay scientific mind would, would say, well, um, there's a very clear cause and effect, which is nothing to do with God sending like a lightning from the sky to people to punish them. It is essentially people getting exactly what they knew they were going to get by encroaching into and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. So, you know, we always have to look back at you know like for example the pandemic that's here very much man-made the processes and the dynamics are very much man-made this almost would be impossible 40 years ago mass travel um you know the kind of you know liberties we have in terms of movement and um you know kind of social movement and all the rest of it and then also encroaching into other environments that's all it's all it's all stated and studied and logged. It's un, 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 undeniable. So I think that's one thing. So, okay, if a quarter of people in a city are under threat of infection or, or death or whatever it is, you could take it to 100%. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, in the Quran says, that, that, that destruction and, and corruption has appeared upon um, the land and, and within the sea as a result of what the, the sons and the hand the hands of the sons of Adam have done wrought themselves Aidinnas. and it was what you've done yourself so that is also the case with things we observe in the past where civilization civilizations were destroyed by God think of the verse now when something like this happens, Okay, say God chooses to punish a city or a tribe or a nation. So whose whose action has led to that happening? No, no, uh, uh, they're, they're, that's not that's not what I wanted to understand. Okay, so and, this is finished. That, I, I this is okay, finished. it is because of mm -hmm. humans what you're saying, but the cause is our actions, but it's done by the Almighty. 
No, no. So you, you, obviously you have to look at where, you know, some things are natural, such as, you know, the, the pandemic we have now, which is a natural cause and effect of things happening. But essentially what I'm trying to point towards is that there's a culpability here, which means that the, the question is needs to be slightly changed to make sense. So once we understand that there's culpability and liability and responsibility in these verses, for example, I'll take I'll take three words that give you the idea where the culpability is. Kanat uh, that this these cities or tribes or civilizations were zalim. Um, they were unjust to themselves for whatever reason. Mm. Okay. Um, what, what else does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? say kunna inna kunna Indeed, we were unjust. Okay. In other words, at every single point when they are you know, experiencing the pain or the torture or, or the punishment, they come to recognize what has led this to happen. And Allah says, فَلَمَّ And when they came to feel and, and appreciate our punishment and our power, it's then they try to run away. They didn't come back and argue, why are you punishing us, O oh God? You know, wh- you know, the perfect thing would be, why us? Why now? Hmm. In other words, what we know as, as a general sunnah, you, you talked about sunnah of Allah, the, the, the way that God allows things to happen is that God will not punish a people who are innocent. And if, you know, we know in even in the sunnah of the Prophet, some certain hadith mentioned people, like, a, like a, an army in Sahih Muslim mentioned an army that was that was um, marching towards Mecca and it's enveloped and, and swallowed by an earthquake. And Aisha said that to the Prophet, I mean, there's people within there that are innocent. And the Prophet, yes, he said, he, he said yes, but they will be raised on the day of judgment based upon their intentions. In other words, mm. no one will be unjustly treated in the, in the full breadth of their existence, which is from before. The world is a small drop in our existence. And so if the punishment's here, it's for something that you've done yourself. And, you know, people, you know, it's, it's this it's a famous thing of ultimately we don't know where our good and our and our evil and our difficulties lie. You know, when Allah talks about jihad, he talks about the fact that kutiba alaykum al-qital, that warfare has been prescribed upon you. And it's difficult for you. It's something that is... Um, hurtful to you and also something that is, that is distasteful to you and Allah says it's possible that you, you hate something and it's good for you and it's possible you love something and it's bad for you God knows and you do not know and so even in this situation there are certain principles that we know that God will not punish an, a, a community unjustly unless they deserve it it will be based upon a responsibility that they have themselves factored into their actions and the last thing is that whole idea of ultimate justice, that Allah will, Allah will ultimately, ultimately be just to every single human being on the face of this earth. So my, my, Even if you go well, through a difficulty. One of my questions, well, the, 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 what I wanted to understand as well was that the cause of deserving constantly changes or has it been the same five reasons or six reasons that people have been decimated? I mean, in the past, this is something that's interesting as well. There's this historical aspect to this, which is there's a very clear understanding since the sending of the Prophet that the sending of the Prophet ushers in the what we call the last days or the end of time. In other words, the Prophet said himself that my passing away in the the Battle of Tabuk or the, the, the battle that wasn't a battle, which is an expedition, the Prophet was over a month in the, in the deserts of, of Jordan, waiting for the Byzantines, even though he knew they weren't coming and there was a test in the, in the process. And then gave them many, many predictions about the hereafter. One of them was that he said, you know, count a number of things before before the, the last hour. And the first thing he mentioned was his death. You know, so, you know, the first most important, the first important thing he mentioned was his death. And so that death of the Prophet, passing away of the Prophet is ushering in a, a different type of criteria of punishment. There's no punishment based upon a civilization being destroyed because of their actions now. It's almost like prophecy has ended, the the chapter and the whole door of miracles in terms of prophetic miracles by extension has ended. And therefore, everybody is left to choosing and deciding on their own moral future based upon their life. 
and they're free to live, free to enjoy, free to think, free to not think, you know, until the reality comes that everything is accessible, everybody will be judged based upon what they have in front of them. You know, the person in the Aboriginal rainforest will be judged based upon their appreciation of the signs that point towards God, and they won't be asked about, did you pray, did you fast? But the person in, you know, the old city of, of, of Damascus will be asked about the fact that you heard that Adhan, your, your, your friend was a Muslim and he was pious and he spoke to you about Islam and you knew about it and you rejected it. Your responsibility will, your, will be with your, yourself. The person that's a Muslim will be asked about the responsibility being raised in a household that was, you know, a household that prayed and fasted. And likewise, a Muslim household, which doesn't, will obviously be done the same way. We covered uh, in one of the programs, Rise and Fall of Nations, right? Uh, the reasons of why people, why nations ascend and why why nations face a decline. And one of the things take take home for me was, it's never been due to lack of or uh, religiosity or worship. It's been interaction, merit, uh, people, it's about human beings so is there any relationship in that concept and this where when the townships are decimated is it largely due to we as humans fail towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship or is it largely because people are unjust towards other people Yes, that's, that's a good point. I mean, the, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the past, you know, we're not talking about the rise and fall of nations here We talk in this chapter. So this verse, to be clear, is not about why do certain nations have a, a higher GDP than others and why other ones got, you know, research and development far greater than others. We're not talking about worldly markers. We're talking about a message, which is worship of God and Tawheed, and also justice, which is includes social justice, which includes... Um, you know the idea of a lack of aggression against the the, the people that are that are that are in outskirts of society and are needy. All of those are aspects which can bring down the the wrath of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So in the past, we know that communities were killed, you know, destroyed and and killed off because of either, you know, I would say more towards their dealing with other people than just the fact that they committed shirk. And this is almost like an observation that I've, I've had, which is that, you know, a, a community and a society like the society of Fir'aun, you know, I think the tipping point of the punishment for them was when the oppression started to encroach upon human beings and the, you know, the, the, the polytheism and the arrogance that was inherent within polytheism and a person like Pharaoh considering themselves to be I'm your highest lord. When it then, you know, trickles down to enslaving people and work killing people and torturing people and acting like a god over people, which meant that their wealth, their persons, their dignity, everything was free reign for him. And at that point, it's as if it's a tipping point where the the, the great sin, the greatest of sins, which is shirk, then turns into something which is now punishable by God because it's overflowing into how it affects other people, which is a big point, because if you think about it, you know, somebody can ask, well, what's the purpose of knowing and worshipping God or even believing in God? You know, what's the, you know, society, okay, we've got the pandemic, we've got economic, um, you know, a tsunami of in unemployment or, you know, people being disenfranchised, mental health issues coming up in, in along everywhere in the world. So we just we go on with these issues. Let's, let's like fix our world. And then if you want to believe in God, believe in God. If you don't, that's fine. The issue that human beings have to understand is the belief in God includes the belief in his attributes and his and his qualities and his nature, which then tells us something very deep about how we should act and behave and also our nature and our qualities. If we don't understand our qualities and our nature and our our you know weaknesses and our strengths, and also what we should be upholding and what we shouldn't be upholding. You know, who sets the priorities and what we do is very much dependent upon which dictator or which ideology or which fad of social engineering is in vogue at that moment in time. Mm. 
Does that make sense? This is why Sayyid Ramadan Bhutti, one of our teachers, Allah grant him the highest abode in paradise, he basically explained the attributes of God and their importance on that basis, that it's only by understanding the qualities of God and believing in them that you can start to structure a society which very much gets the basics right about justice, about peace, about tranquility, about um, transparency, about all the qualities that we should aspire to, such as Haya, for example, mm. such as Jamal, for example, such as Wood, such as Rahma, such as Adal, such as Muntaqim. So, so the sequence is to understand yourself, then to understand God through his names. That's I think the other way, if the sequence is, if you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what you believe in, and if you believe in this entity which has these qualities you then re instantly reflect upon yourself you're you know Mana. think of it as a very you're worshiping and your head which is your most honored part of your body is on the ground and you're thinking who am i worshiping what am i worshiping the qualities and names that we know of god we can't see him all we know is his names and that's what comes to mind when you worship you know these words when they come to you they think it means that i'm not al-a'la i'm not al-azim so then this idea of when you get up and you look at people and they're subservient to you in, in a workplace or intellectually or socially, you do not have the audacity to think that they are subservient to you in a real sense because you're subservient to God. Yeah. And so, so it's like this. Yeah, so it's so like. Understand. Yeah, so the Arabic saying is, is famous, not hadith. Hopefully you know yeah. that. No. It's, a, it's, it's, okay. it's a part of... Um, the, the wisdom of the rabbinical scholars that was passed into Arabic, that whoever knows themselves knows their Lord. Um, yeah, that way, if you know your, this is different. I mean, you're saying whoever knows themselves knows their Lord. That's a different aspect of it. That's self-knowledge. Yeah. So I'm talking about for, for society, it's the other way around. Societies okay. need to know God and be subservient to God. And that rectifies, think of this, this um, thing that came out yesterday, the judgment was last night, wasn't it? in America about, um, you know, the famous case. You don't have to mention the issues. Now, why were people interested in it? Because they wanted to have ultimate justice or some sort of justice seen to be happening. Okay. So people were saying, if we don't get the, the, what we want, we will stay in the streets, we will riot, and we'll bring the, the state of America down. So everybody has this aspiration. But then how do you, how do you achieve it? You need to be given a person, like the Prophet who then lives it and says, Justice, everyone knows what justice is, but not everybody can see it in action. You think about it. If you think of, you know, when the Prophet entered Mecca, Mecca al-Mukarramah, when he was doing the, the, the opening of Mecca, Fatah, Sa'ad, I think it was Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, no, Sa'ad ibn Ubadah radiallahu anhu, who's head of the Khazraj, he came in, he was head of one of the four um, battalions that came into um, Mecca al-Mukarramah to take the city. And as soon as he was coming in, he shouted and told his battalion to shout, today is the day of revenge. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the Prophet heard that, he demoted him. Mm -hmm. Now that's a big thing because he's the head of Khazraj, the second largest tribe in Madinat al-Nawara. In fact, the only one from the Ansar who was heading a battalion because it was Khalib and Walid and his other companions from the Muhajirun. The Prophet <coughs> saw that that was when you see justice being done. And if he will not show justice, then who will show justice? So Sa'd ibn Ubadah had a perception of justice, which was today, you know, Badr, Uhud, Khandaq, all these episodes in Hudaybiyah, all the humiliation, today we're going to get a revenge. And the Prophet is saying, you know, I'm the person that shows justice. Okay, everybody watch today, this day. And these three weeks, the Prophet is there approximately. That is when you see, you know, we believe Allah is Al-Adl. Mm. Yeah, the just. And if you want to see a person who understood that and worshipped a person, an entity that was just, then you look at the Prophet ﷺ and then you see this is justice. And so every single thing, and this is quite embarrassing for us, is that every single episode that we see in our lives and in the news and other people's lives, attempting to achieve justice is a shadow compared to the, the amazing radiance of the Prophet ﷺ achieving justice in his life. SubhanAllah. It's, a, it's fascinating because when I look at you know any case where people say Alhamdulillah justice been done and not Alhamdulillah like congratulations you know we've got something no it's, it's nothing you've got nothing the light of faith and this constantly you know Islam is such a fascinating religion because without the uh, this 
this aspect of our faith added into that equation, you will constantly be searching for something. You know, the, 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 the enslaved masses in America, for example, the Afro-American community, who are being disenfranchised at every single moment in their lives, regardless of the fact that some of them are able to, you know, step on ladders to, you know, you know, socially improve themselves. They will never have justice until you have this context of a, a teaching which is heavenly, which tells you what ultimate justice is. And that ultimately justice you cannot get on earth anyway. That's the one thing that, I mean, I think is as clear as pie is that justice ultimately cannot be achieved on earth. You can, you can, you can, bring some solace to the person that's lost a loved one, some sort of thing. I mean, I mean, try and tell somebody who's been, this person's going to be now sentenced in about three weeks. That is not going to take away the pain of, of, of the parents or the family um, after that's done, even the fact that they've had so much, you know, okay. as well. Um, sorry for the listeners as well that uh, time is up now. I'll leave you with a few verses of Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakum Salam. Time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.